You only have so much time. And you have a big assignment. I want the entire world to hear the gospel in my generation. I want every person on this planet to be saved. We open God's Word today together to be subject to it, to be taught by it, to be instructed. Let's go. What you're saying right now is, how did we get here? Well, because people do not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Is ultimately, that's where it is. Yep. Being Reformed is more than just affirming the five solas. It's more than just affirming Tula. No one is outside the reach of Christ and His blood. If we are truly Reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ, by holding onto as tight as we can the one who makes us white as snow. You can no more born yourself again than you born yourself the first time. Just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. Welcome to Matter of Theology. It's been a while. It's been a it's been a long while since posted an episode. But I'm way here. Too way yeah, too way too long. Yeah. But I'm here with Josh Loftus. We are going to be talking about coming out of the cage stage. So if you remember a while ago, Chris and I did an episode on the cage stage. Uh, those new Calvinists who just come to the realization of Reformed theology, and now everything is about predestination election and then beating <laughs> everyone up with their doctrine. Uh, but we had a message from someone who listened to that episode, and they got in touch with us and sent us a message kind of uh, their testimony about being in the cage stage. And they asked us for uh, really kind of practical steps on how to come out of the cage stage. So now you realize that you're in the stage, mm -hmm. that you're, you're really hurting all the people around you. You, you feel alone. Uh, you're, you're, you feel like you're going crazy because you just have all these emotions and you want to know why people aren't getting and understanding these beautiful doctrines of grace. Um, and so how now do we, once we realize that, how do we work our way to coming out of the cage stage? Um, which is, it's, it's an important thing that we have to do. It's an, it's an important uh, path that we have to travel down because if we just stay in that, that stage, uh, we're just going to be all alone. We are. The cage stage is a very lonely stage. Yes. It really is. And when you are in the cage or um, when you are in that, you, you find yourself uh, uh, you find yourself debating on Facebook a lot. Yeah. And that's because nobody will talk to you in real life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to say I have or have not done that once or twice. We, we all have. Let's just be, let's just get all cards on the table here. This has been us all <laughs> once or twice. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> and, and there are moments where uh, even those of us who have come out of the cage, we still have those moments where oh, yeah. we revert back to it. Yep. Um, it's, 
we forget very quickly, um, you know, where we came from yep. and, and who it is that we serve and, and the gospel that we are to take out and represent uh, to the world. So we forget very quickly and we revert back to our cage stage. But yeah, yeah, uh, the cage has a revolving door. Yes, it and does. It's, it's, and it's uh, thankfully. It spins very, spins very fast. <laughs> it spins very fast. And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes it spins so fast, you don't know which side of the door you're on, that's which is right. scary, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's a good analogy. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> awesome. So, well, I want first I want to start with uh, some scripture. Mm-hmm. This comes from Ephesians 4. Uh, and so Paul writing... In Ephesians 4, he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, sh- or, yeah, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Mm-hmm. So Paul is talking to fellow believers who are dealing with fellow believers, telling them to strive together, persevere together in unity, right? Dealing with each other with patience and gentleness and, and, uh, humbling yourself, mm-hmm. you know, in order to walk according to the gospel. Right. Right, and the the important question, uh, Ag, is what that that unity that Paul's talking about, that unity mm-hmm. that we are talking about. Mm-hmm. What is that unity? Because there's yeah. a lot of different answers as to what is it that we're supposed to mm-hmm. unite around, right? Yeah. yeah, are are we all supposed to unite around the 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 purest form of eschatology? Right. Uh, or like only, you know, this camp, only six day creationists at this church. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like, mm-hmm. so if someone's to ask you, AG, you know, what is it that we unite around? Mm-hmm. What is it? What's the answer? Man, that is a good question. And what it, what we are to unite around is the gospel of Christ. Amen. Uh, Christ on the cross, sacrificing himself for our sins, uh, the grace and the mercy of God that we do not deserve in order to reconcile us and draw us back to himself. Right. Because right? um, we're all dead in our trespasses and sin. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the drug dealer who gets saved, you know, face down in the ditch mm-hmm. and the, the privileged kid who had, uh, you know, his whole lot spent his whole life in Christian school. Right. right. The, they're both at the same place and that's dead in their sin. Yeah, And it's only the spirit of God that changes the heart through the proclamation of the gospel and brings one to repentance, drawing them uh, back to God. Right. So, so right. this, this unity is we are unified in what Christ has done in his, uh, the, the, him taking upon our sins to the cross mm-hmm. and then our profession of faith in him and, and, and faith in him and his righteousness now being imputed to us so that the, now every believer who is in Christ, we are looked at as though we have always obeyed God perfectly and we right. are united with him. I mean, but basically I just gave you the gospel. Yeah, but. yeah, no, exactly. And and that that is that is the answer, right? That is we are called when we are called in scripture to unite together. Mm-hmm. And when 
we talk about how important it is for believers to unite together. It's around the gospel, yes. right? That yeah. is what unifies yes. believers. Mm-hmm. And the problem with those of us who are in the cage stage is we always seem to get we need to unite we we have that we have a zeal for that but it's always the gospel plus yes that's right, right? it's the gospel plus a correct understanding of this or mm-hmm. it's the gospel plus a correct understanding of this mm-hmm. and as i'm sure we're going to you know suss into it a little later is what what we don't realize is that when we say that there is something other than the gospel that we need to unite around that that if this isn't here we can't unite if that's not only the gospel it shows that we don't actually understand the gospel that's right yes right? um and and i'm i'll say something controversial there are a lot of non-reformed christians that i am more than willing to lock arms with mm-hmm. and it, it didn't used to be that way right. <laughs> and and, yeah. and and like you said that still flares up mm-hmm. but there are a lot of non-reformed christians that love jesus that believe mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we, we you know we back up a little bit and we, and we say, well, if they truly believe the gospel, then they're just inconsistent Calvinists <laughs> or inconsistent Arm Arminians. And sure, mm-hmm. yeah, you can have that conversation for sure. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of individuals out there that love Jesus, love the yeah. gospel, and don't necessarily believe in all five points of Calvin. That's right. That's right. And a lot of it. Uh, the reason they don't is because mainly they don't understand it. Yeah, right. They don't. Th- th- they've or or what they've know about it has been taught to them wrong by right. someone else who was taught wrongly. Uh, yeah. The you know yeah. the 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 doctrines of grace and reformed theology. So they don't they don't have a full understanding of what it is you believe. Right. And a lot of the time, when we approach these people we approach them immediately as if they're heretics. Mm, yeah, we that's, don't, that's we the word we like. That yeah. it, it is, yeah. <laughs> and we don't approach them as though they just don't fully understand it. Right. And a lot of times, what we do, we treat non-believers more graciously than we treat believers who mm. don't think like us. Right. And we should equally be showing love to all people. One, to our brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, because Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. Mm -hmm. And we should be loving the non-believer in giving them the gospel and living uh, according to to, what? what Jesus said and how he said we should live in order to display the righteousness of God and in loving them and in order to bring them into the kingdom, bring them to repentance. Right. Um, right. So uh, we definitely, the reformed camp, we step in it big time mm. uh, and we fail miserably. Right. By how we treat those who claim to be in Christ, because in our minds, we think, well, if you don't think uh, reform theology, uh, think of it the way I do. uh, You're not a real Christian. Right. Well, and and, you know, and as 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 ridiculous as that statement sounds, I have thought that Mm -hmm. 
I have. I, like, I'll, yeah. I'll admit that to everyone that's listening here. That mm-hmm. has gone through my head mm-hmm. multiple times. And a here's the thing: there is nothing more ironic. There, there is nothing. There is no greater oxymoron than an unloving Calvinist, mm-hmm. right? Because if we truly believe in the theology that we claim to believe, that salvation is all of grace, mm-hmm. that it's all done by a loving God who raises the dead and breathes life into them. Mm-hmm. And the only way someone comes to that life is through God's sovereign election and mm-hmm. reaching down and pulling them from the grave, right? If we b- truly believe that, and yet we turn around and get angry at somebody who doesn't understand that, like it, that, that makes no sense. We turn mm-hmm. around and we don't have love. That's like right. we're, we are, we are, the, <laughs> we are the greatest noisy gong and clanging yes. cymbal. That's right. 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 And, and, and that's coming from a drummer. Uh, I can I can make some loud noises with my cymbals, and uh, an unloving Calvinist is louder than all of them. Man, that's that's funny you said that because uh, I heard Austin Duncan at the Masters uh, or Grace Community Church. He gave a message on First Corinthians thirteen, mm-hmm. and he got to that part talking about the clanging, noisy gong, mm-hmm. and he said, "You know, I bet as I look around this room, there's a lot of different tastes in music." But I can guarantee you, not one of you has, you know, the playlist of the gong yeah, on no. your iPod. You no, know? no, no, it's, no. It's, it's annoying. It's, it's annoying. And I mean, everyone knows how annoying like a loud church drummer is. Yeah. Right. Like I like like whether you like drums in church or not, like that, that's fine. But everyone knows how annoying it is when the drummer is just going off <laughs> and doing their own thing. It's that mm. times a thousand. Uh, basically it's, uh, that one drummer from that oceans, uh, oh, dude, yes, ocean with, he just kind of went <laughs> off the on his own. With the, the double bass, like thrash metal drummer playing oceans. Yes. Oh, That's guys. Yes. 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 Okay. Homework, homework for listeners. If you want to know what an unloving Calvinist like feels and looks like, go Google, uh, crazy oceans drummer. It's the song Oceans by Hillsong. Oh my goodness. That is the, that's what we're talking about right there. Just cringe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's exactly what it is. It's, and especially as you mentioned, first uh, Corinthians 13, uh, everything that we are to be doing is to be uh, rooted in love. Right. If it's <laughs> not, and, and he goes through and, and lists some, of, you know, speaking in tongues, right? If I speak in the tongues of men or the tongues of angels, that which I can do or that which I cannot do, if I can do all that, but I don't even possess love, I am utterly useless. Useless. You're useless. It's better as if it's better as if you do not speak at all. That's right. Right. Yep. That's correct. So now, uh, in your life, what has it looked like when you came out of the cage stage? Yeah. Well, I mean, so I'll, I'll describe real quick what the cage stage for me looked like. Um, I grew up in a very, uh, very God-centered home, uh, was raised a Christian, uh, was raised from about age 13 or 14 into Reformed theology. I remember sitting down and watching R.C. Sproul's, um, um, oh, what is it? The, the Quorum, Deo, Quorum Deo series mm-hmm. on VHS tape. VHS tape. I put them in and hear R.C. Sproul's grovelly voice. So I grew up in Reformed theology. Um, 
and just had, grew with a passion for it, loved it. Uh, and then I hit <clears throat> high school and college and then started realizing that the majority, the vast majority of Christians that I was surrounded by um, were nowhere close to reformed. Yeah. Hadn't heard of, you know, hadn't uh, heard of the, the, the guys that I read and listened to and uh, theology wasn't something that they made part of their life. Right. Yeah. Um, so, that automatically, because of my pride, like let's just be honest, that automatically put me into the seat of of superiority mm. over them. Um, and it made me feel as if, well, these guys just don't care about God because they don't care about theology. Mm. Which if somebody doesn't care about theology at all, sure, there is there is an argument for that, right? We need to be caring about theology. Theology is vital. <laughs> yeah. Um but just because somebody isn't studying the five points of Calvin every day and reading through Wayne Grudem's systematic theology in their free time, uh, that doesn't mean that they don't love Jesus, right? Um, and it hit me at high school and college and then even out of college uh, into when I first got married to my wife. I was brutal. Hmm. Um, I was arrogant. I was an awful person to hang around. Um, Facebook, I wasn't kidding about the Facebook debates. I would go round and round with people. Um, anybody who wasn't a five point Calvinist, uh, was very close to a heretic. Mm -hmm. Um, I hated speakers that I thought were too emotional. Mm -hmm. Uh, like, like I hated John Piper. Holy smokes. I hated John Piper so much because he, he speaks with such emotion. Right. Yeah. And I just thought, ah, he's just, come on. That's that. We don't need that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and Anybody who had any type of different conviction than I did, and and we're we're not even talking secondary issues. We're talking third and fourth level issues, right? Mm -hmm. um, I despised them. I thought, well, if, you know, if they don't have the same conviction I do in this, this, and this, and this, then they're obviously not pursuing holiness uh, correctly and as much as they can, like I am, obviously. Um, and I alienated myself. And I became very alone on an island and wasn't liked <laughs> because of my pride. And everything turned into a theology debate. Like I, I made it my goal to see how fast I could get Calvinism into a conversation. Hmm. Right. <clears throat> Which yeah. that just, that just doesn't work guy. Like it just doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, especially if we're like Paul says, if we're to be called to walk in a manner, um, worthy of the gospel right right if our goal is to get to calvinism yeah. well no our goal is to get to the gospel right. yeah. not to calvinism no exactly exactly and i was i was so busy correcting people's theology that i forgot to evangelize yeah all right the gospel wasn't part of my theology mm -hmm. it was all about theologies and the isms and the gospel was absent right yeah. and i finally like the Lord kind of just smacked me up the head one day and kind of like what we were talking about. I had this, I don't know you call it an epiphany. I call it just the Holy spirit, like getting a hold of my heart uh, again and realizing Josh, you are not fighting for the gospel here mm. <laughs> that in all of the zeal that you have for theology, which is a good thing, zeal for good theology, yeah. absolutely wonderful. You need it. 
But if that's all you have and it's not leading and it's not being filtered through the love of the gospel and it's not pointing to the gospel, if the gospel isn't the end goal, right? Like that's what we're going for. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's better as if I just shut up. Yeah. Right. And it took me coming into a community through church and I was surrounded by a group of believers um, that had different convictions than me in, mm. in, in different things uh, that did not have the same theology that I did. Uh, but I saw them striving for the gospel mm. and I sat back and I'm thinking, AJ, I'm like, what, what is wrong with me? I have like, how can I accuse this? These people are evangelizing and it's a true gospel. It's a loving gospel. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a gospel of, of, of wrath and judgment and God's grace and love and, and, and mercy. And I'm going to sit here and critique that they didn't bring election into it. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I can't, this makes no sense. I, I can't do this. This is horrible. Um, and then I started looking around and seeing the relationships that I had broken relationships I had lost. Yeah. yeah even with my own wife, like mm. I was horrible. Like when we first got married, uh, like just, just, I was just a jerk <laughs> and I'm surprised she married me uh, in all honesty. Like it still wows me, man. Um, but yeah, so that's, that, that's what, that's what it was like in the cage is it's just, you feel like you have to correct everything and everyone's yeah. beneath you. Yeah. And the theology is just, uh, the theology a, is void. You know, that's a, a huge part the correcting of theology because there's times where, you know, I'll even post stuff Mm -hmm. and people want to try to correct me. And I go in, in my, my mind, I'm going, well, let's have a discussion about this. Right. You know, let, let's actually just, let's open the Bible and let's just have a discussion about it. But you, you know, then it turns into, you, you know, it gets pointed back at me as if I'm still in the cage, as if I'm in the cage stage. And I'm like, well, I just want to have a discussion. But, sure. Um, sure. you know, there's this th- this thing about correcting theology where mm-hmm. a lot of times, uh, you know, in my my family, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, mainly uh, my in-laws, there's there, there's things that are said. And I bite my tongue. Sure. Yeah. Just, right. Just because one, because I love them. Right. Two, because I know that they do actually love Jesus. Yeah. And, and three, just because I don't want it to be that argument, you know. And so right. I bite my tongue, and it is so painful. <laughs> so I know. Painful I know. Because I want. I mean. It, it, to y'all listening to this, sometimes it's, I want to drive my head through a, a brick wall. It's mm-hmm. painful, but I do it anyway, just because I know their heart. Right? right. And I know they just, that they haven't come to an understanding yet. And if they want to have that conversation about, you know, because they believe, um, you know, Calvinism revolves around Calvin and I go, well, actually, no, it doesn't. Um, but if you want to have that conversation, I'll have that conversation with you whenever, you know, but I'm not, I'm not going to jump in and say, oh yeah, well, you're wrong. Let's, let's discuss this now. Let me show you how you're wrong. I'll give you five ways on how you, how you don't know what you're talking about. Right. You know? Um, now me and my wife have these little discussions where I say, um, and it's kind of teaching moments, you know, but it's just us. 
Yeah, right. right? right. I'm, I'm saying, you know, let's walk through this in scripture and, and I show her, you know, kind of where this is and how this mm-hmm. works, and how it plays out. Yeah. But, you know, I really have had to reel myself in and just basically close my mouth. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the thing, yeah, exactly. There is a time and place. Correcting theology is necessary. Sure. Right. It it is necessary. We should not be content with allowing, (laughs) that's a horrible word uh, because we can't allow anything. Uh, We should not be content uh, to, to to be fine with horrible theology. Right. Right. Yeah. There is a time and place to correct it. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say it. Facebook is usually never that place. Yeah. Right. Unless you're going to get, you know, like a private message session where you can like maybe give each other a call or something like that. Like I don't, I've never found social media to be a loving and gracious place to have a serious discussion right. about theology. Right. right? right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I completely understand. It's, it's just that mentality of always wanting to fix people's theology. Mm-hmm. Right. And always wanting to be the one to call out, call out the inconsistencies. And, but mm-hmm. in my life, AG, like, I don't know if I've ever had that void of pride. Mm. I'm going to be honest, right? Like, you got to ask yourself, why do you feel as if you want to do this? What's your yeah. motivation for doing this? Yeah, huge, right? huge. Yeah, and you got to be honest with yourself. Like, yeah. is it because you truly believe that God's glory is being diminished and attacked? Or is it you just want to look like the smartest guy in the room? Yeah. Right. And and the a lot of the problem, because we have been in the cage stage and we've been that person, yeah. now when we come out of it, even if we have those those talks, even we can make it as loving as we as we want and right. as understanding as we want. And people will still view us in that light as just wanting to be the guy that's always right. Well, it's true, which is true. Why, it, you know, Spurgeon, I love a quote from Spurgeon. I don't know if I'm ever going to have a podcast on you where I don't quote something from Spurgeon, man. But he said it's better to better to crush the egg than fight the serpent. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we can do cage stage prevention <laughs> instead of instead of like, you know, you know, cage stage counseling, uh, that's even better. Like like if yeah. you're listening to this and like it it would be so much like, you know, everybody says, well, the cage stage is just is just part of coming into reform theology. It's, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. That's right. It doesn't have to be a stage. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the cage stage is just pride. Yeah. Like at the, at the end of the day, it's just arrogance. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't have to do that. Yeah. So if we can get the mentality that, you know, this reformed theology that you're coming into is because God decided for some reason in his grace to give it to you mm-hmm. and have that mentality. Yeah. Uh, that's going to keep you, it's going to keep you out of this cage stage pretty well. If you remember yeah. who you are. Right. That's right. Yeah. And one of the, so one of the steps that I kind that, that I thought about, um, and if we give you a step, it's not in any particular order. It's just no, stuff that just yeah, no, no. kind of thought about. Um, but one of the things that that came to my mind was the saturating yourself with scripture yes. and not just scripture of predestination and election or <laughs> right. gravity, or the perseverance of the saints, but the entirety of scripture. Because yes. when you go through the entirety of scripture, what you see is, yes, being reformed, you immediately notice the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. Right? But immediately after that, you should notice the grace of God. And yeah. that goes back to the garden right. where instead of striking Adam and Eve dead, God sacrificed an animal and covered their shame. And, and we see the, the, the proto evangelium where mm-hmm. 
you know, the he would send the Redeemer. He doesn't have to, but by his grace and his mercy, that's the plan that he has. And he's going to do it on our behalf in order for us to be reconciled back to him. So immediately in the very first book of the Bible, in the first Mm -hmm. three chapters, you see God's sovereignty and God's grace right from the get go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you know, in the line of the witch in the wardrobe, when Aslan talks about there being a deeper magic. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a deeper magic here. Right. Calvinism, the five points of Calvin, the five solas, that is surface level reform theology. Yes. Right. That is. And and so many, so many people just make it all about that. Right. And cage right. stage, it makes it all about that. It makes it all about the five points. Right. And mm-hmm. that is so that is just you are scratching the surface that's of right. reform of the glory of reform right. theology in the five points of Calvin. Yeah. That's right? right. You really are. And reform theology is just this, it's just this process of of understanding the glory and magnitude and depth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And the five points of Calvin is just 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 you're just scratching the surface. Don't stop there. That's right. Right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. It's it's Look at the whole of scripture, the whole mm. of the gospel. That's what reformed theology is. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, <clears throat> so, so to take that from the, from the beginning, mm-hmm. now go all the way through scripture. What else do you see? You see the, the grace upon Abraham, grace upon David in his sin and adultery. Mm-hmm. Right now you see, you see God's, God's judgment, God's discipline. Yeah. But what else do you see? You see that, the Messiah is going to come through the line of David. Right. Every king after David is going to come through the line of David, including the Messiah. So you see uh, the the preserving of a lineage uh, of David. Uh, you see uh, in the the grace of that. You see uh, you see the the calling when Jesus comes on the scene. The calling of sinners, right? Mm-hmm. Those who were tax collectors, like Matthew, who right. were considered traitors to their own people, right? Right. You see, you see God calling them and changing them, giving them a new name and a new nature to now follow after them, right. all the way through to to the inclusion of the Gentiles, the dogs mm-hmm. of the day. Right. Um, the, you, the dogs at that time, they just got the crumbs. Right. But what right. is what, what does Jesus do? He tells the Pharisees, he said, he says, I have there's those who are not of my flock talking right. about the Gentiles and they're going to be included. And then when he uh, reveals to Peter and I think it's Acts 10 uh, before he goes to Cornelius's house, yeah. uh, you know, the 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 the, the idea of. Uh, clean food and unclean food, right? It works on two levels. He's talking about actual, the the dietary laws, but then he's also talking about the inclusion of Gentiles. And what does God say? Don't call that which I have made clean, that which I have made clean, unclean, right? right? And you see the inclusion because what does Peter say? He's never even been into a Gentile's house. Even even a God-fearer like Cornelius was, who was a Gentile who converted to Judaism, never even been in their house. And so you see the inclusion and the grace of those who were considered unclean and defiled because they weren't Jews. And so just from start to finish, you see God's sovereignty, but but also God's grace. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And 
you know, again, in no particular order, a second step, a second way that uh, the Lord has shown me personally uh, to get out of the cage stage. If you feel you're in the cage stage right now, there is there's hardly anything more important that you can do than to be preaching the gospel to yourself. Yes. Right. If we remember the gospel mm-hmm. and you have the theology, not disputing mm-hmm. that, but do you know the gospel? Yeah. Do you know who you are mm. when it comes to who God is. God is holy. He mm. is righteous. He is other than us. He, you know, and our salvation, and not just our salvation, the knowledge that we have, the theology that we have, the fact that we even understand or can comprehend to a small degree the sovereignty of God in mm-hmm. election, uh, the perseverance of the saints, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, irresistible grace. If, if we can, if your understanding of that has been given to you yes. as a gift from God. That's right. And it's something that you did not earn, just like your salvation, something you did not conjure up, just like your salvation. It's not something that you are worthy of or somehow on a higher intellectual plane to receive, just like your salvation, right? Mm -hmm. So good theology, just like salvation, is given. It is granted. It is a gift, that is given to you. So when we preach the gospel to ourselves, when I remind myself who I am, what mm-hmm. God has saved me from, that will automatically give me the correct perspective of how to then view other people. Yes. Right? Because it does not make sense for me to say, oh, Lord, you have given me such good theology. Thank you for opening my eyes. Thank mm-hmm. you for, for, for showing me the glory of your sovereignty. And then turn around to the Arminian and say, what about this do you not get? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. It doesn't, it makes no sense. Yeah. Right. So we need to be preaching the gospel to ourselves. Remember the grace that you have been given. And the fact, the, the only reason you believe the theology that you do, the only reason you have the zeal for Calvinism and, and reformed theology that you do is because that has been specifically granted to you mm-hmm. by God. Mm-hmm. And he has not decided to, give that to many people. Yes. Remember you like us reform people. We, we preach God's sovereignty all the time. Right. So if God is sovereign and he is in control of all things, the fact that this Arminian does not understand the doctrines of grace that falls under God's sovereign plan. Yep. That falls in his will. Mm -hmm. God has decided to make that how it is. That's right. And we, should not and cannot play God Mm. when it comes to critiquing other people's intellect or capacity to understand theology, Mm -hmm. because we didn't have it. God gave it to us. Right. So, so my, my fellow cage stager (laughs) preach the gospel to yourself. Mm -hmm. Remember what you have been given and Mm -hmm. remember that God is the one that grants knowledge. He's the one that grants theology, Mm -hmm. right? It's not, it's not going to be done through, through arguments That's and trying right. to convince somebody just like salvation, right? It's, right. it's honestly the same as salvation. Right. Now it, it's funny that you say, you know, preaching the gospel to yourself. Cause I was listening to a, a message that Steve Lawson gave, and I think he gave mm. it a while ago, but uh, he was doing, it, it was at a shepherd's conference, I think in like 2012. And he was, he was doing an interview with Todd Friel. Yeah. Okay. And Todd Friel asked him, he said, well, what is the gospel? 
So he got put on the spot and, and sure. had to explain right there what the gospel is. So he gets he gets done there. He goes back to a room where it, you know it's everyone it's it, that uh, that it's uh, it's John MacArthur and you know it's all the all right. the guys who are speaking speaking at the shepherds conference and. Right. And Lawson's telling him, he's saying, man, I was just talking to Todd and he, you know, he put me on the spot, asked me what, what the gospel is. And then he said, John MacArthur said, okay, well tell us what is the gospel, right. you know? Right. And, then, and then after that, when that conference was done, he fl- had to go down to Orlando cause he was speaking at something with RC Sproul and he was telling RC this, this story. And RC said, okay, well tell me what is the gospel? Yeah. You know? Just get it from both sides. That's right. But yeah. it, even, even guys who we look to and respect, like I'm a Lawsonite, man. I love Steve Lawson. And, uh, (laughs) you know, he's, he's a guy that I know preaches the gospel to himself, but not only that, the people that he surrounds him himself with, they challenge him and say, Hey, what's the gospel as a reminder, you know, like you asked me at when we started this show, what, what is it that we're unified around the gospel? And then I went in to explain what the gospel was. And that's That's one, we need to be challenging ourselves and we need to be preaching it to ourselves. Cause like you said, the the more we preach it to ourselves, the more we're going to come to a realization of who we are and how we need to view people. And I think, you know, you led into what I think a good third point was, Mm -hmm. and that is the realization that not everyone is on our same level. They don't, they don't understand what we understand because it hasn't been given. And that goes to like, we talked about before the show, uh, first Corinthians chapter three, yeah, where it's, you know, Paul's, Paul's talking about evangelism, but mm-hmm. it really, it can be applied to all forms of truth about God, where Paul talks about, you know, I planted Apollos watered, right. but it's God who gave the growth. So yeah. in these, in, in, we're not saying don't have theological talks with your friends that, no, yeah, that yeah, yeah. have these talks. And and even, you know, the, these talks about, cause they're going to come up eventually. And sometimes, you know, I've got our, you know, I'm not going to say Arminian friends because they, even they understand that Arminianism is sure. a heresy to its fullest extent. To its fullest extent. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Just, I call them free will Christians, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they understand. They'll give me little jabs, you know, sure, sure. And, it, and it's all in fun. But it's you know when these conversations kind of come up, you know, we have to w- bring it back to the gospel and yes. keep it in scripture. Don't and we don't have to be militant and forceful because once if we stay in the text, God is going to provide the growth, right. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And and that that is the like all theology needs to lead back to the gospel, right? Yeah. All the, that is the purpose of theology. That's mm-hmm. the purpose of the study of God is he has manifested himself in the clearest form and through the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? So everything goes through and is for that. Right? So when you are having yeah, and, and I agree with you. I actually I don't I don't think I actually know any true Arminians. Right. Right? Because if you're actually going to believe in the Arminian theology, to its fullest extent, what that act, what the theology actually is, it means that you believe salvation is by works. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know any Christians that actually think that. Yeah. Well, ultimately, if you do, and this is why at the Synod of Dort they they ruled it to be a heresy, is because it, it leads to universalism. 
it does. It, oh, yeah. it, can't, it can't help but lead there. So, right. and that's why a lot of my friends that that are free will free free will Christians that they're not Arminians, and they'll tell you they're not Arminians because they know that it leads to universalism, and they say right. we're not universalists. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think that that is something, again, that I think the cage stage Calvinist needs to realize. And it, I think it's just a lack of study on the Calvinist side sure. is you need to be careful calling people Arminians because that is quite yeah. the yeah. that is quite the uh, the accusation. Right. Um, and most, if not all uh, people that a Calvinist is going to call Arminian is not. That's right. uh, they are they are an inconsistent Calvinist, <laughs> right? Right. They will believe in salvation by grace, salvation mm-hmm. through faith alone, that God is yeah. sovereign, and and I mean we have to by necessity believe that. Yeah. Otherwise, we would go crazy. That's right. right? Um. But then, yeah, they they throw the free will in there, and that's 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 just that's just that is just something that the Lord has not revealed to them yet, right? Yeah. And to think that we are somehow on a different intellectual level. Or, you know, well, well, they just haven't reached our level yet. Or or it's like, you know, I yeah, there are, I suppose there are levels of theology that makes sense. I know, at least for me personally, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but when I start to think of myself on a theological level, that automatically means that I'm looking down at people. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I can't do that. Mm-hmm. My pride and my arrogance and my sinful flesh cannot take that. Mm-hmm. Um that's just not something that I'm, I, I that's not something I can do. Yep. Right. As, and that's something that, uh, that I think cage stage Calvinists get into a lot. And I agree with you. It's, you have to bring it back to the gospel. Yep. That's, that's, that's the theme of theology. That's yep. why we engage in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man, you make, you, you just made a really great point about when we start thinking of ourselves on a theological level, mm-hmm. because a lot of times the, the people that we read and the people that we listen to in our minds, we tell ourselves we want to be at that level. Sure. We want to get there. We want to have that knowledge. But even if you, if you were to talk to them one-on-one, what would they say? They would say, man, I don't know anything. I've learned, I learned this from, from this person, from from Martin Lloyd Jones, from, from James Montgomery Boyce. You know, I sat under their teaching and I never, I don't think I even got to their level. You know, they're always looking up to someone else. And when we think that we got to the level of RC Sproul, which I don't think any of us in this lifetime will ever get to, (laughs) right? Uh, If we, if we think that we've gotten to that level, then how arrogant of us right? to think that because, I mean, the man was brilliant and he put out a lot of great stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of us could ever obtain that level. But even he would say, man, I don't think I ever obtained the level that, you know, the people I looked up to and the people right. that taught me were at, you know, right. because he was a humble man. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and when, when you start doing that, I want to ask like, okay, what, what do you mean? when you say what level, yeah, like, 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 what are you talking about? Are you talking about a level of theological purity or a level of knowledge or a level of, 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 of how many books you've sold? Like, like what, what level are you talking about when you're, when you're getting there? Right. And there shouldn't be levels is, you know, how is your deal leading you to sharing the, the gospel, right? Yeah. That's the level we should be worried about. And I, and really this, and talking about this, it's actually just now convicting me to say, well, instead of me trying to work up to this level, mm-hmm. 
I need to be humbling myself down to be a servant because when Paul writes his letters, how does he usually start them? Paul, a servant or a bond servant. And what that is in the Greek is that a third level galley slave, the rower of a ship on the lowest level. Yeah. Right. He's a worker. He's a slave and he's going out to serve other people. It's not for his benefit that he's that he's walking everywhere and being beaten and being thrown in prison. It's not for his benefit. Right. It's for the benefit of the glory of God and for the souls of the lost people. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's and that that leads into the next I think the next point is how do we escape this cage stage? And that is service. Mm, it's yeah. plugging yourself into church, right? It's getting off get off the Facebook, get off the the social media, perhaps get off the blog or whatever it is that that you're using to 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 alienate yourself theologically and get plugged in to serving in your local church, mm. get into the trenches, right? Where the people yes. are hurting, where yep. the people need you, where you lower yourself to the position of a galley slave mm-hmm. and you are cleaning toilets or you're the church janitor or you are, you know, what, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Plug in and serve in mm-hmm. church because that is where the value yes. happens. Mm-hmm. And that is where, our theology that we care so much about, that is the point of it. The point of our theology, the point of our what we believe about Calvinism and God's sovereignty, the point of it is that you can have joy scrubbing the church's toilets. That's right. Yeah. You, you really want to demonstrate that you believe what you believe? Go serve in, in kids. Go serve in Amen. Doctors. Amen. Go visit the elderly Mm. who can't think straight and can't feed themselves, but they just want someone to come there and tell them about Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? Go, go serve the needy in your church, right? There are so many ways that we can show that we truly believe our theology Mm -hmm. and debating it and calling people heretics is not one of them. That's right. And if y'all are wondering all the different places that you could possibly serve in your church, Josh has a podcast for that. He can help you with that. It's called Every Day on Monday, where he talks to people who serve in their local body at about all the different things, uh, places to serve in a church. So I would go check that out. That's right. That's right. I appreciate the plug. Yes. Yeah. Because and, And it's something and that's I'm I'm very passionate about serving in church because yeah. that is what the Lord used to pull me out of my cage stage. Yeah. Um and and I, I'm serious. If you are in the cage stage, my friend, mm-hmm. uh humble yourself. Mm-hmm. Go ask your pastor, ask the deacons, where can I serve? Where is there a need? Yeah. Send me there. Yeah. And the Lord will use that to you will find that you will be able to unite <laughs> with people that are serving with you arm in arm, even though you don't all believe the same things or, or you're, you know, you might not all, all believe, you know, in the, in all the points of Calvin or, or have all your theological eyes dotted and T's crossed, but you're, you are, you are united in your love for Christ. Mm-hmm. You are united in your love for the gospel and you are united in your mission mm-hmm. to show Christ's love to the body. Yep. That is, that will do it so quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
That's right. Yeah, you'll have you will have people that notice, you know, your attitude very quickly and they'll call you out on it. And oh, it, yeah. it will either be someone you're serving with or it'll be an an elder in the church. Yeah. Uh it, it will be someone, but you will be humbled quickly. What yes. for by the by doing the work uh in serving in the church and then by those who are around you. Um right. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. There's there's because at the end of the day, right, this keeps coming back. The root of cage stageism, if that's what you call it, uh, it's it's pride. Yes. It's it's arrogance. It's it's selfishness. And I have found no better remedy for selfishness than service. Mm-hmm. Ever. It yeah. it it'll it, it will fix that so quickly. Yes. Yep. Yep. It's good. Man, you said it, and what you were saying, I thought of a great fifth point, but then I lost it because oh, no. I wanted I wanted to add on to what you were saying because it was so good what you were saying. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, well, yeah, no, I'm trying to think. Uh, we talked about discipleship, right? Right, right. The, uh, that was a big one. Find a – that's another one right there. Find yourself yes, a, exactly. an older guy uh, who has lived some life, mm-hmm. uh, who has been through the cage statements himself maybe. I don't know, but uh, – uh, and, and get under his tutelage, get mm. under his, his, his discipleship that that's so valuable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Discipleship is, is key too. um, us, you know, a lot of churches, mm. and I, sh- I shouldn't say a lot of churches, especially here in America. I mean, a lot of churches here in America are very pragmatic and yeah. superficial and yep. cheap, yep, rates. You know, and I'll say if you belong, I mean, really, I think if if you're listening to this podcast, you probably belong to a good Bible believing gospel church. So, uh, you you know, your church probably has small groups that they do. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Small groups. Yes. To a small. That's a great. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Just to make sure. Because we all know the Calvinist in the small group, <laughs> right? <laughs> we all know <laughs> who the Calvinist is in the small group because he's he's always challenging, you know. And oh man, yeah, don't be that guy. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. you will get <laughs> you. Everyone would be like, "Why do they keep saying that?" Yeah, why, why do they keep what, bringing that up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what, what? That's not what we're talking about. Like, we're we're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. It seems like the Calvinist can. The Calvinist is really good. Like the, especially the Cage States Calvinist. And I was really good. I was really good at like every discussion somehow led back to the five points of Calvin. I don't care what we were talking about. We could talk about peeling potatoes and I would bring it back to the five points of Calvin somehow. I, I would do it. It was amazing, but it was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's just kind of go over kind of the things that we've just covered so far. One, the, the first one that we talked about was saturating yourself in scripture and not just your pet doctrines, the 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 doctrines that teach Calvinism, but the entirety of scripture, because when you study the entirety of scripture, you see, yes, God's sovereignty, which is central to reform theology, but you see the grace of God. And it reminds you of who you are in relationship to who God is. And it reminds you of the grace that you should have towards other people. Mm -hmm. So the first one is saturating yourself in scripture. Second, preaching the gospel to yourself. 
Mm -hmm. So not only are you studying the gospel within the pages of scripture, but you have to preach it to yourself. And when you preach it to yourself, again, it reminds you of who you are and how you should relate to other people, even those who don't think like you. Because like I said, we... at the beginning, we we will treat non-believers more graciously than we treat other believers that just don't think like us. Right. Right. I, I love when Mormons come to my door, I bring them in and we talk for two and a half hours in my living room and it's right. wonderful time. Right. But sometimes if I talk to another believer, it's, I get so angry and frustrated. They don't believe like I believe. Right. Well, that's wrong. I should love them both equally. One for the Mormon soul because in giving him the gospel and two for my fellow believer, because I know his heart and that he is a genuine believer and follower of Christ. There's just things that he doesn't understand and I can't force those upon them, which means, which leads to number three, that not everyone is on the same page as us or on the same level as us. And they're not on the same level because, like you said, God has not revealed that to them. Right. He's For some reason, he's revealed it to us, but not them. But that doesn't mean that he won't reveal that to them in time because he's the one that brings forth the growth. Right. And then fourth, service. Yeah. Service is so huge because if you actually believe what you believe about uh, the reformed doctrines, you will get in and serve. You will, you will jump into the trenches, roll your sleeves up and you will go to work in your local church. Yep. And then five small groups get plugged into a small group. And uh, the great thing about small groups is they hold the, the, they're people that will hold you accountable. So, so being serving in church, you have a lot of people that uh, you kind of run into on a day-to-day ba- or on a week-to-week basis, right? Mm-hmm. But those small group people are those who are more in your area that you, that you meet with outside of the church that, right. that, that can more personally hold you accountable. There are people that are more like, like in my small group, we're more people that are involved in kind of everyday life, right? Because we live in the same town. Right, and, right. And, and, you know, we're, there's group texts that go out and we do mm-hmm. cookouts and things like that. So we're more involved in our day-to-day life and it's easier for us to hold each other accountable. Right. So those are just some, some things that, that we thought about. Um, yeah. yeah, 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 no, I think all of those, all of those are great. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it is just, it is realizing, Oh man, it's realizing the glory of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's it's just bringing it back to that. Realizing the grace that you have been given. Realize that you're you're uh, that the believers that are around you that don't believe in Calvinism, they have been saved by the same grace you were. That's right. They were made in the image of the same God as you were. That's right. Um, and the Lord might use you as a tool to enlighten their eyes to the glories of reformed theology. If he does praise God, but he's not going to do that through arguments. That's right. He's not going to do it through ramming it down their throat. Mm -hmm. He's going to do it by you lovingly and graciously saying, Oh man, let me tell you about this glory of election that I was so bad. I was so evil. And God loved me, even though he knew all that. Isn't that wonderful? Right. 
that's that is going to be so much more effective than you saying what you what you you think you chose God? How how dare you? Right, <laughs> you dummy! Uh, yeah. It's in the Bible, predestined. Like the word is there. The word is there, man. Come on, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. That's that's not that's not going to do anything. That's not that's not how God won you over. That's right. Like he he won you over with grace and right. patience. Mm-hmm. Right. We count the patience of the Lord. Yeah. As our salvation. Right. So yeah, that's. If you do that, follow those steps and just keep Christ in front, you will avoid the cage stage. That's right. Now, you may be listening to this and you're like, well, I have like five other things to add. Hey, great. Send, it. send them to us. We'd love to, to put them out there and say, hey, you know, add these things to the things that we said. Um, but I, I do think uh, the root cause, and you've mentioned it so, so much tonight, is pride. It's a pride mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. So I'm going to John Owen this thing yes. and this thing with John Owen where be killing sin or sin be killing you, mm. be killing your pride or your pride will be killing you because it will make you alone and it yes. will make no one want to be around you. Yeah. 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 There is nothing that will make you more ineffective faster than pride. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that will make you more ineffective for the gospel mm-hmm. faster than pride. When you're trying to win the argument instead of win the soul. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you're trying to win the argument instead of loving, showing Christ to your fellow Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, pride blinds, pride, pride alienates, and then pride destroys. That's what happens. Right. Yep. Right. I agree. So, so all, all believers out there, uh, especially reformed folks, mm-hmm. uh, I know uh, I'm going to hold myself to this. I'm going to challenge myself uh, and hold myself to what we talked about tonight. And I challenge you to do the same thing. Mm, So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of matter of theology. We hope that it blessed you and we hope that you learned a lot and we hope that you will be killing pride before your pride be killing you. Mm. And Calvinism is true. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we go right back into the cave. Dang it. Dang it. Hold on. Pull me out. Pull me out, AG. Pull me out. (laughs) Don't worry. I I tied a rope to your ankles. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Yeah, don't let me go back in there, man. It's dark. It's cold. It's alone. It's so lonely. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we're getting out of here, and we will catch you on the next one. Good day.